0: I hope utilities can recognize that it's within their means to do this. We can put up this infrastructure, we can maintain this infrastructure, and we maintain it 24-7. That's what we do. Welcome to Episode 191
1: of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. You've probably heard the big announcement coming out of Huntsville, Alabama. After several years of exploring possibilities, Huntsville utilities announced that they will be deploying dark fiber. Google Fiber intends to offer fiber to the home services via the network. The provider will not have an exclusive contract with the city, meaning the network will encourage competition and the city will continue to own and maintain the infrastructure. In this interview, Chris talks with Stacey Cantrell, Vice President of Engineering for Huntsville Utilities, and Tom Ryman, President of the Broadband Group. The Broadband Group has worked with Huntsville Utilities for several years as they developed the plan to improve local connectivity. The arrangement between the City and Google Fiber, one in which a large, internationally recognized provider agrees to use publicly owned resources to bring retail services to an entire community, has the potential to open the door for other communities. For municipalities that feel offering lit services is still too much of a risk, or in places with state barriers, the Huntsville model is worth watching. Now here are Stacey Cantrell from Huntsville Utilities and Tom Ryman from the Broadband
2: Group. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Tom Ryman, president of the Broadband Group. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: And we're also joined by Stacy Cantrell, Vice President of Engineering for Huntsville Utilities. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Chris. Glad to be part of it.
2: Well, you two have had quite a week, and we're going to, I think, talk about it in a little bit more depth than most people have heard yet. I think people are going to be really excited to learn more about what's happening down there in Alabama. And to be very clear on this. Huntsville, Alabama. There are other Huntsvilles. Um, let's start by learning a little bit more about Huntsville, Stacey. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Huntsville is a great city. We're we're a great size, uh, but we're we're not too big. Uh, you've got everything here from from craft beer. Uh, we've got Redstone Arsenal. We're right on the Tennessee River. Uh, we've got companies like Toyota. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: You know, we're we're full of engineers. We were uh, ranked one of the top engineering cities in the U.S. Uh, so there, there's there's a, a lot going on here. It's a great place for people to live and work.
2: And what does Huntsville Utilities do?
0: So Huntsville Utilities is a public utility provider. Uh, we're an electric distributor for TBA. Uh, we also provide gas and water, and uh, we, we've been a utility here for 75 years.
2: And, uh, Tom, you tell us a little bit about the Broadband Group and how you fit into this.
3: Uh, one, we're very grateful and appreciative of the opportunity to fit into it, and we're glad it's been an exciting week for us. Um, the Broadband Group has been uh, incorporated for just over 20 years, Uh, But prior to that, I think there's an interesting connection. Um, In in the mid-1980s, I was actually a partner with Southern Bell and Bell South on the world's first fiber to the home project. So I've always tried to stay abreast of innovative changes and opportunities in the industry. Um, Over the last 20-plus years, we have represented cities, municipalities, utilities, and large-scale master plan communities throughout North America, uh, Disney Celebration, and Mission Viejo and Forest City. but. I think nothing equals what we have done working together at Huntsville um, in uh, utility and our announcement this week. But we really try to be innovative thinkers, game changers. We try to move industries at a pace into a position they may not move on their own. So we do business, financial, regulatory, and operational planning for those entities I just mentioned.
2: Thank you. Uh, I wanted to just interject a, a moment as well that you were working with uh, Google um, you know google um, whenever i 've spoken with them have j- tended to want it to be off the record, and I wanted to have a conversation with the two of you to get a better sense of what huntsville's doing. Because I think Google's participation really helped to um, make this a big national news event, but fundamentally uh, other cities are going to be looking to try and do this, and that would all be happening independent of Google. So if anyone's wondering how we could be talking about Huntsville um, without talking to anyone from Google – that's why. Um, let's dig into uh, a little bit more of the original goal. Um, and, and why did Huntsville originally start thinking that you had to do something as a utility in the communication space, Stacy?
0: If you go back, say, 15 years ago, I think we installed our first fiber line to one of the water plants just to, to have better communications with our water plant uh, and for SCADA. And from there, it, it just continue to grow. And and we got to a point where we realized uh you know we need to to really put some strategy behind this fiber network and our our relationship with the broadband group started around that time. It's uh, it's been over 2 years right. now that we've we've been talking with the broadband group about how do we build out this system? You know, we've got facilities all over our service area, all over the city, all over Madison County really. Uh, that we need a, a real plan for how we're going to get fiber to all those facilities. So we started talking to them a couple of years ago, over a couple of years ago.
2: Uh, and, and Tom, I'm, I'm curious of what you remember from the early days of starting to work on this project.
3: Well, let me first mention a comment that you made, which is I think the foundational element of this entire process, and that is the utility long before uh, any company, whether it be Google or anybody else, emerged as a potential user of our fiber infrastructure. And I'm going to say our throughout this discussion because I'm so close to the utility and we really are um, partners in this process. But the utility recognized that its future was tied to fiber connectivity uh, for things such as distribution automation and substation control and SCADA and other operational requirements. So the move to a fiber infrastructure was well underway and inevitable because utilities have to compete, and the information on which the um, the information future of a utility is almost as important as the distribution of its commodity services. So the utility said, Wait, if we are going to do this anyway, let's determine what physical assets we have. And that was the, our first time we began working together, and Stacey was actually mid 2013, a you're right in terms of the timeframe. But uh, Huntsville, uh, we contacted each other and began working together to really understand what infrastructure was already in place, um, how functional was the fiber, because many utilities install fiber, but don't necessarily uh, have a solid design and engineering behind how that fiber is going to be utilized outside of their direct requirements. So we spent the better part of a year inside the utility supporting Stacy and her team At looking at existing fiber, looking at the routes, looking at the integrity and the capacity of that fiber, looking at points of interconnection, determining its viability. Because the leadership of Huntsville Utilities recognized that it not only required that infrastructure for its services, but knew there might be an opportunity to explore what I'd consider alternative or enhanced uses of that. So that was phase one. I think, Stacey, I think you may concur. That really launched this entire effort.
0: It really did. Uh, we we just needed to find a way to to almost blanket our system to reach all the places that we saw that we were going to need fiber connectivity. Uh, Tom mentioned distrib- distribution automation. Uh, we're launching an AMI program.
2: For our listeners, that's uh, meter reading kind of stuff, um, Right.
0: Uh, Yes, and it's more than meter reading. It's intelligent metering, but uh, but yes, remote meter reading. Fiber supports all of these things that we want to do and things that we haven't even thought of that we're going to need to do in the future.
2: Well, I'm curious, uh, and I don't know who might be best poised to answer this, but uh, was it always a given that the utility would have such a strong role? Or was there a thought that, you know, if Google wanted to build its own fiber network or another company wanted to build their own fiber network, would that have been uh, as good of a solution from the, the sort of problem you were trying to solve two three years ago?
3: Um, almost three years ago. In fact, it was quite a bit longer than that. Mayor Tommy Battle stood up and said, I want to be a connected city. And I want to ensure that the delivery and availability of next-generation broadband enhances not only how we live, but how we interconnect. And I think the mayor, who has been a major part of this initiative all along, not only recognized connectivity, but knew that regional economic development and the city's economic development was tied to its ability to connect businesses and residents. So the the mission then was, how is that accomplished? You're talking to individuals from the utility, but the city um, began almost at that same point and issued an RFP. And I think it was a document that was sent into the public marketplace to determine if anyone might be interested in supporting the next generation information needs of the city, um, be it the utility or the city itself. And that's how we came together in terms of this process, that numerous companies, and Chris, you know this, these RFPs are bloated in many, many municipalities throughout North America without any clear direction or understanding as to where they're going to go and who is going to respond. One of those responders was Google Fiber, the company that we announced earlier this week. Along that process, and Stacy, I'll turn this one to you, before we made the determination as to who to select, there was this internal discussion and planning as to whether or not the utility might provide lit fiber services. Perhaps they would deliver fiber to the home or fiber to the business. We felt it was critically important to look at every option, the metrics of those options, the economics of those options, and quite honestly we found that whether it was operational readiness, or financial or whatever it may be, the utility was best designed to do what it does historically, and that's provide transport. We transport electric and gas. Why can't we continue down that path of historical competency and deliver dark fiber services to support the you know, services provided by others? That's really a key foundational element of this entire process, that we at some point know the exact date, I'm sure Stacey and I don't even recall, we recognized that our future was in dark fiber and making sure that we could fight capacity for others.
2: One of the things that we've seen there is over two thousand cities uh, that have their own municipal electric utility um, Huntsville is definitely toward the bigger end of that, but I'd say more than half of them have decided that this market is something they don't want to get into and i'm you know I'm really curious and I, and I think it's exemplary for for Huntsville to take such a strong position and um, I'm very excited for the results because I think it's going to be far better than uh, many other cities but i I'm, I'm just really curious if there was any sort of doubt or concern as you were pursuing that path?
0: Uh, we had a, a, a lot of concerns and, and doubts that we discussed, but really it's it's a natural extension of what we already do. We install and maintain infrastructure. Uh, there's, there's no reason we can't install uh, fiber, whether it's on poles or in conduit. And, and we had proven that over this last 15 years. I, I think we had come to that realization from the time we did that first small fiber job to where you know now we're installing 48 count, 96 count fiber that uh, we we can install fiber, and now there's fiber out there available to lease um, or dark fiber available to lease. So it's it's a very natural thing for us to install this infrastructure, and uh, we, we've become very comfortable with that.
2: So one of the things I want to turn to is some of the the financing. And Tom, I'm I'm curious if you can share with us some of the um, the expected costs um, and and how the utility plans to be structuring uh, how it will pay for it.
3: Um, we did um, comprehensive financial analysis of what the cost of overall fiber deployment might be. I think the public number that has been issued today by the mayor and by the general press is this is probably a $50 to $60 million deployment. What would be incorrect is to assume that the burden of that cost falls totally to the transport of broadband services. The, the beauty of the model, and I, you know as you might agree, the the road of municipal broadband is checkered at best over the last 20 years. And one must always look at the financial stability of any of these initiatives.
2: We've always admitted that there's certainly a number of cities that have uh, struggled with it, but the yes. checkered at best, I would have said checkered at worst uh, myself. Um, <laughs> you know, I certainly think right. the majority of cities have had uh, the, the benefits they're looking for.
3: Well, I, I think I take your exception and agree with it. So what we did is we looked long and hard at what is a unique business model that still allow the city to control the information destiny um, of its businesses and residents but does it in a way that's economically and financially viable. And that's where we came across this opportunity that said exactly what Stacy just said. We are not good at providing cable television services and providing hosted services of uh, customer care. We're very, very good at deploying fiber. And if we can build on that and use that core competency and then bring a service provider who is willing to allow their services to ride on that infrastructure – Um, that becomes a success point and a metric that we are pleased to see others. And even in the four days since this announcement has been made, we're seeing cities um, rise up and say, this is an option that we had not explored before. This is an alternative in terms of both financing as well as service delivery. So we think we have, I don't know if we've cracked the code, but we've certainly opened up an opportunity that has not existed prior to this announcement.
2: I think you were going to note that not all of the costs would be paid by the broadband services. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? This goes
0: back to the original reason that we, we contacted uh, Tom in the broadband group. Uh, was We recognized that we were going to have a need for a widespread fiber network, uh, that, that we needed that as Huntsville Utilities. And so we were discussing how to do that. This would have been a very, very long build-out uh and then when when google entered the picture it gives us a, a reason and and somewhat of a means to speed that up uh there are a lot of benefits that we'll get operational benefits that will help pay for this that that we get by installing this fiber
2: you know, one of the things that, that we've seen in Chattanooga, which is another municipal electric utility that has uh, done this, is they have had so much savings that they would argue their electrical rates are lower. They've been able to avoid rate increases because they have the fiber network. Is that the sort of benefit you're looking for?
0: Uh, we're certainly looking for that. I'm, I'm not going to say that we're at that point yet, but uh, w- we do see a lot of operational need that that could require... Uh, additional personnel or additional plant having, uh, having the fiber network helps us to minimize those things
2: I wanted to ask you another question Stacy, um, because you have engineering in your title, this is where we're going to get a little bit more technical I hope for some of our listeners who have been dying for these sorts of details um, but where is the handoff between the utility and the uh, service provider uh, Google certainly one and presumably there might be others as well
0: we will install a, a dark fiber distribution network, and along that route, there will be points, uh, equipment, MSTs, multi-service terminals. That will belong to Huntsville Utilities, and that will be the handoff point. So Google, basically, when they want mm-hmm. to connect a customer, uh, they'll go out, run a service line, and connect to that MST.
2: What kind of distances are we talking about? Is that kind of like on every block, or um, I'm wondering how much cost an ISP might be expected to incur doing that?
0: The MSTs uh, will, will serve six to eight homes, so uh, probably more than one a block, um, Uh, distances, we're just trying to get close enough so that the tenant can run a service drop from the MST to a home. So, you know, they may go down a couple of lots or across the street, but, you know, we're, we're getting them, uh, fairly close access to a home so that they can come in and do their, their service drops within Uh, whatever time frame they need to commit to the customer, to their customer.
2: I'm sort of imagining, I know in some of the alleys of areas that have um, fiber optic networks, you can see opti-taps up on the poles where you just plug in a fiber. Is that the sort of thing um, that we would be seeing? That's exactly the sort of thing, yes.
3: The beauty of a sophisticated network is often in its simplicity. This is a 32-split-pond network that is... uh, very basic. And it's really interesting the way in which we designed and engineered. It's not only a 32-split architecture, but it's available to 64-split. And I know you don't like to get too technical, but, you know, this uses just a standard distribution architecture that we envision not only Google, and you made a very key point, but this network is available to other service providers. This is not an exclusive arrangement. You know, we have built into the infrastructure the capacity to transport multiple services But I just want to repeat, it's a simple yet very advanced architecture that we're very comfortable meets the needs both today and going forward.
2: No, I'm very glad you you went in there because I think some of our listeners are dying for me to be more technical or to ask more technical questions at times. Um, And I'm, you know, can you you share at all the um, experience you had? Um, I'm curious, you know, did you develop this network in-house? Did you go back and forth some with Google? Um, Can you tell me anything about that process?
3: Yeah, this was pretty much an in-house Huntsville designed network. Um, we took input from anyone that was willing to give it to us. Um, you know, we our engineering team uh, spent a significant amount of time working in direct, ours being the broadband groups with the Huntsville engineering team, uh, but we really tried to design it so that we fully understood and took advantage of the in-house capacity and capabilities of the utility. We um, did step forward and we have talked with them and we, we took input from them and others to make certain that... We have the ability and capacity to transport, whether it was theirs or anyone else's
2: signal. And I'm curious, my understanding is you're going to go past every premise in the city. Is that right?
0: That's right. That's the goal.
2: And does Huntsville, much like a number of other municipal electric utilities, um, have territories outside of the city limits? I don't know. Is that true of Huntsville?
0: The city of Huntsville actually extends... Outside of the uh, the Huntsville Utilities boundary, so our, our area is confined to whatever is part of Huntsville Utilities service area, and also within the city of Huntsville city limits.
2: Those are the sort of A-B comparisons that I think economists are going to love to see how it might impact uh, development over the time, although I understand that uh, both Comcast and AT&T have um, suggested they'll be investing more, so um, I hope that no one will be left out.
3: We, We love to spur innovation, and it's really important to us, being both the utility and the city, to, if this is the spur for more innovative investment in infrastructure, everybody wins. The current arrangement with Google Fiber, however, is just with the city, and they will be, you know, securing a franchise for that. But we, the utility, have plans to extend this at some point. We don't have a date yet to the entire serving footprint of the utility, which includes Madison County. And as you, as you mentioned at the start of your question, yes, indeed, the utility has a larger footprint than than just the city limits, um, and we'll address that going forward in the future.
2: Thanks. Uh, the political boundaries can be pretty complicated, um, especially considering that uh, the way you design these networks doesn't necessarily uh, make sense to stick to only um, the political boundaries. Um, what, what would another firm have to do? Uh, and I'm sure you've gotten a couple of calls already um, to in order to be able to lease connectivity.
0: Obviously, they would have to contact us, and uh, they would they would need a franchise with the city if they didn't already have one. Uh, we would negotiate agreement with them, um, very similar to what we have with Google.
3: They would need a franchise if they were delivering linear video services. Um, but we, you, very soon, we, the city, or the utility rather, or the board, will be publishing a rate card, which really lays out specifically high volume, low volume pricing, both for access to our fiber ring, as well as the uh, access portion of the network. So, um, yeah, and then knowing what they wanted to deliver in what areas of the city, um, the rate card will address that specifically.
2: Great. Now, Stacey, I'm I'm curious. I'd like to come back to you um, because I I know that um, Tom's been living in Huntsville working on this project effectively, but um, it is actually your community. And one of the things I'd like to ask is, you know, if you think ahead five or ten years into the future, uh, how will you know that this uh, worked, that it was successful?
0: So in in the future, if if we're able to support any of the services that Huntsville Utilities has need for, um, and, and like I said, I, I know things are going to come up that we haven't even thought of yet. So if we're able to support everything that comes up, if we're able to support – uh, future tenants that are interested in a, a similar agreement, uh, then I'm going to say this is successful. If if uh, if the community is getting fiber service, uh, if they're getting their high-speed internet, um, if businesses are are getting uh, better network access, then then that's successful.
2: And, and Tom, do you have any sort of expectations uh, for what you might uh, be looking for when after you've built this model in a number of other communities?
3: You know, if this in fact is a model that other cities can benefit where either they are underserved or want to extend and expand the capacity of broadband quality in their communities, this is one that I think all of North America should look at. You need to look at success in two ways, and I think of it this way. You never lose sight of the economics. We had to make certain that the network's overall economics and the return on capital and return on investment – we had a path, that we had a path that we could ensure that the risk factors in so many municipal broadband endeavors and exercises um, we would not hit those troubling points but we thought about what you know what we have to deliver in terms of financial metrics. The next one is what Stacy just mentioned. If I can I mean the utility can improve the quality of life, the quality of services, the information on which utility rides uh... educational support and distribution of healthcare capacity we have advanced the regional economic development future of what Tommy Battle asked for Mayor Battle said I want to be a connected city of high class and high quality we think that that's something the rest of this country should look at it will not work everywhere Chris I mean in other areas you know, there's existing broadband investment that is quite capable of delivering on the mission that we have defined for Huntsville in the areas where there is still need and lack of high bandwidth services. This is a very important announcement that occurred last Monday that we think other cities could emulate.
2: And I'm curious, when you think about other cities, if, you, if this model would work in a city that does not have a municipal electric utility or doesn't have a way of trying to get benefits from others aside from end users.
3: You know, we haven't fully explored that because obviously we have been zeroed in and then focused on this particular endeavor and this particular uh, opportunity. The efficiency of the city-owned utility is something that we have relied on, and we believe is a great foundational thinking and planning for next generation. Are there other operational saving metrics that another city could deploy? I'm really focused on this one because the utility has very, very strong advantages it can bring to bring new services to its city, whether it's through the ownership of poles or existing fiber infrastructure, or, you know, we're already, we're operationally ready to the utility. So there may be, but I think it would be very, very well served to look at this model in terms of its very specific metrics, see if other cities could you know to, could duplicate the effort.
2: Is there anything that we haven't covered that you think we should definitely include before we conclude?
3: There are a lot of unknowns in terms of the upside and the opportunities of this investment and this dark fiber relationship with Google Fiber. I think what we haven't covered is what we don't know yet. So there's nothing lacking to me in this particular podcast, but I believe that going forward as we deploy this network, as we watch Google Fiber deliver its services over the network, as we see the enhanced opportunity and availability for the utility itself to become significantly more efficient over time, I think those unknowns are very healthy and we expect them to be exciting because... Stacey's right. There are products and services we have not yet thought of. I think we've done a relatively good job of building in enough capacity to make sure we meet those needs
2: as they emerge. Great. And Stacy?
0: When we when we started the call, you said it's been an exciting week, and it certainly has, but it's really been an exciting year uh, that, that we've been working on this. And, and it does take some work, but I hope that uh, other communities out there that are, are like Huntsville and like Huntsville Utilities um, recognize that it's worth the effort. Um, when you, when you look at the potential we have to, uh, build this infrastructure that, that Huntsville Utilities needs to provide better service to our customers for, uh, electric, gas, and water, and then also be able to provide service to the community, uh, to the businesses, uh, like Tom mentioned, the, the education system, uh, all the public entities, it's uh, everybody wins here, and it's it's well worth some effort. And I, I hope utilities can recognize that it's within their means to do this. We recognize that we can put up a fiber network, uh, we can put up this infrastructure, we can maintain this infrastructure, and we maintain it uh, 24/7. That's what we do. Um, so why not do it with fiber also?
2: I should have asked this question earlier, but as you were wrapping up, Stacey, which, which I think is terrific advice that I really hope other communities take. Um, I realized you'd mentioned the meter reading and I wanted to make sure that uh, we are clear. Uh, will you be using a, a wireless uh, product to be basically um, for home users to be using the various services you deliver to deliver that to the, the network? Is that how that'll work? Uh,
0: the the meter will be a, a wireless uh, radio uh, device, uh, but we'll have a fiber backhaul network that we use to, to get all that information back to our building.
2: Right. I'm sorry. That's what I was trying to describe. Oh, in the past, I've heard that the water readers aren't that great, but presumably they'll be coming on. Um, will you be able to do remote you know, meter reading and, and all the advanced smart grid things that are being developed, all the automation uh, with all three of the utilities?
0: Yes. That that's, that's the plan. Right now the focus is on electric, uh, but we hope to expand that to – gas and water pretty quickly. Um, and then initially our ba- it's just basic services. We want to read the meter and, and get the bills out correctly and then we'll start to expand with being able to provide our customers with portals to look at their consumption, you know alerts possibly if, if they want to set up alerts for uh, consumption limit, um, prepay on their bills, that sort of thing. Uh, there's just a whole suite of things we can offer once we have the basic system in place.
2: Great. I just had a a child, and I'm already imagining uh, the arguments over water usage and things like that, so I can see where those would uh, come in handy. Um, uh, Tom, um, what, what, what additional thought did you have that we wanted to make sure we would include?
3: Blair Levin from the Brookings Institute, who I think is as good a barometer in North America as anybody about what these announcements really mean. And if you look at the Brookings Institute comment to this announcement, that it is not only a fundamental shift in ideas and options, but it really enhances the marketplace. It, it doesn't displace, it enhances. And it gives options to cities and utilities and broadband service providers that we, they were not evident um, before Monday at two, uh, when this announcement was made. So we're very pleased that individuals like Blair and others have um, endorsed and looked at what we have accomplished in Huntsville as something very significantly important for this country.
2: Great. So for the people who are not technical, you can consider this the end of the show. But for the half of my audience that is more technical, um, I think half of them were very excited when they heard that you were using a a Pawn approach. And another half were saying, oh, man, they should have gone active. Oh, it's just terrible that they chose Pawn. Um, And I would just like to briefly push in on that for a minute or two to get a sense of um, why you chose the architecture that you did. It was the
3: most efficient for the existing architecture and the building on of it. What we did at Huntsville is not go into the debate as to whether or not it should be active or fun, but said based on the existing infrastructure, the back office, the BSS, the OSS, to get in the technical side, the single most efficient way in which we could deploy this network because we knew that we were transporting foreign signals, meaning that by someone else. That We had to have this neutral architecture where we can deliver not only for the company that eventually became Google, but somebody else, the pawn architecture, worked for this city. Every city is unique and every city is different in terms of its capacity to deliver these types of services.
2: Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a terrific discussion. I think this is going to be one of our most popular podcasts because I agree absolutely with Blair Levin. I think this is going to lead to a lot more innovation, and I want to thank you both for working so hard on advancing um, broadband and the Internet access of the United States. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Chris.
1: That was Chris talking with Stacey Cantrell from Huntsville Utilities and Tom Ryman from the Broadband Group, discussing the Dark Fiber Network plan in Huntsville, Alabama. We have more on the plan at the Huntsville Tag on muninetworks.org. Check it out. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at Community Nets. You can follow Muni Network Stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks.org. We want to thank you, Kathleen Martin, for the song Player Versus Player, licensed to Creative Commons. And we also want to thank you, listeners... For tuning in to episode 191 of the Community Broadband Bits
2: podcast.